You are listening to The Revenue Machine, the podcast dedicated to revenue management in car rental. We have created it to enhance your January zone. I'm Emmanuel Scuto, the founder and CEO of WeYield and a Revenue Machinist. My ambition is to give knowledge and share experience to get inspiration. To do what? To reach a new level of performance, but also to have a better clarity and more freedom in the way you do your job every day. And we are in now. So welcome to the Revenue Machine Podcast. Thank you for having me, Emmanuel. <laughs> we are in Las Vegas attending the um, ICRS, the International Car Rental Show. Uh, today, my guest is Julian Espiritu. Do I say it correctly? Then? Absolutely oh, that's correct. Cool. <laughs> the Managing Director of Abrams Mobility Advisor. Uh, we met during the, the this event um, and we have been preparing our speech together because we were on stage doing uh, the, the one of the of the session of the presentation talking about how to bring the revenue management in car rental to the next level. We were with Michael Mayer from Right Highway and uh, Julian was our moderator on stage. We had some fun because we wanted to make a live poll, you remember? Yes, 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 yes. I think everybody's a little bit nervous too, right? <laughs> yes, and it didn't work. Yes. Uh, so we had some technical things, but uh, okay, that's... But the, it worked out. That's the live, uh, when we do live, sometimes yes. we have some uh, some elements like this. Um, Julian has more than 30 years of experience in car rental. Um, you have been one of the, I don't know if it was the founding crew of Zipcar, but at least you were really working a lot on uh, Zip. I was one of the founding, initial founding executives. So oh. there was eight of us that actually founded Zipcar okay. back in 2000. So it's it's still the car the car sharing leader in the US? It or? certainly is, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. And, um, and so you are also a consultant uh, um, dedicated to um, mobility, I would say in general. So we are going to discuss about how you launch this business, the car sharing. I know it's a pretty interesting topic, which is progressing. However, I don't know if it is progressing that far. Um, how resilient is the regular car rental business? I know Turo has been last year. Remember at the iSeries, we talked about a lot of Turo. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly the same. So it would be interesting to get your, your feedback. And also how you see the the car rental in general, uh, your point of view, the expansion of the business. We saw many things that happened in the recent years with yes, the COVID, yes. and uh, and eventually that will give to the community some learning on how the U.S. market work and how it, it may impact the future of the car rental in the in the rest of the of the world. So, uh, welcome, Julian. I leave you the the, the microphone. Can you introduce Thank you. yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Julian Espiritu. I'm currently the Managing Director of Abrams Mobility Advisors, a division of Abrams Consulting Group. Uh, it's been around for about 40 years now. We, we founded the firm back in 1982. Uh, arguably, we're one of the leaders of uh, advisory firms to the car rental industry, mobility industry, and travel industry. Okay. Yeah. Our founder's name is Neil Abrams. He's the one that founded the uh, firm. He, he was an ex-executive uh, at Hertz. 
Uh, so he was traditionally a car rental guy. And so am I. Yeah, so you have okay. a kind of DNA, which is mostly oriented or in this originally coming from car rental. Exactly. I mean, I started my car rental career as a rental agent uh, oh. during my college years. Uh, so I worked as a rental agent for Thrifty Rent-A-Car. To pay your, I mean, your studies yes. or whatever. Yes, during, during the summer, I was a rental agent in, Zip, in uh, uh, I was about to say Zipcar, in Thrifty Rent-A-Car. Uh, that was my first actual experience in the rent-a-car business. Uh, I, actually, probably that's when it, it caught my attention, right? And uh, fast forward, you know, 40 years later, uh, I'm now the managing director of uh, Abrams Mobility Advisors. And at that time, when you started your uh, car rental, uh, let's say, uh, activity, what what was the the idea of your job? What what you wanted? What what of studies you were you were you were doing? What kind of job you wanted to to make or to do? No, I, I mean, I basically went into the car rental business uh, as a a way to earn a, li a living or an income uh, to support my my uh, my party in college, right? And then had some uh, uh, ancillary funds to go out with my friends. Initially, that's how it started for me. It was, it was something to, to support my, my, my uh, extracurricular activities, so to speak, right? So, but when I started working in the summer, uh, when I graduated from uh, from St. John's University, right? Uh, I was wondering, at, with, with a business major, I was wondering what, what, what was the next step? So since I knew a lot of, uh, uh, of the car rental business through working with Thrifty, I was fortunate enough to get a, a position with Budget Rent-A-Car. Okay. Point. Yeah. So again, I was a rental agent at Budget Rent-A-Car, uh, excelled to an operations manager for the city of New York for budget rent a car, and eventually uh, went into the corporate sector, which I was the vice president of the Eastern Region for budget rent a car. So that was my starting career in the rent a car business. How long did you stay with uh, with budget rent a car? I stayed with budget rent a car until about 1996. So how long was it? Uh, so I started my car rental career in. 1987 with Thrifty and evolved uh, several years with Thrifty uh, after I graduated from college uh, eventually went on to budget rent-a-car uh, got promoted several times became the regional regional vice president of the eastern uh, region for for budget rent-a-car then I left uh, budget rent-a-car and because I saw this believe it or not I saw a TV program uh, with Robin Chase, uh, the founder of Zipcar, okay, on a Today Show. Oh, yeah, okay. in 1999. Mm -hmm. And I remember this because it, it was a green Volkswagen Beetle, right? That that was actually the brand car of, of Zipcar. Uh, and I saw, I said, what a what a terrific concept. So, in the late 90s is where the internet was just coming into focus is coming into the market now, if you remember the 56k modems right uh so internet you was have to wait like the beep you know, yes yeah beep, 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 beep. then you can connect yes, yes, <laughs> no. or you know aol with you got yeah. mail right so when i watch robin present zipcar uh 
on the Today Show, I said, this is the future for me at the time. I guess this is the future of car rental, right? And what I, and what she described what, what Zipcar was all about. So her, her positioning of Zipcar was, their slogan was wheels when you want it. So basically, her approach is not towards the car rental side. Her approach is car owners. Mm-hmm. So the concept of Zipcar at the time was, why own a car, especially in an urban environment like New York City, is, as an example, where not only your car payment, but your payment for parking the vehicle in a garage could be quite sustain- substantial, right? So, And also there is a lot of... Um, uh, offers for transport, public transport, so you maybe not need a car during the day, eventually for weeks or for vacations, these kind of things. So it's ex- they even act- more expensive because you don't use it. Exactly. So th- they actually conducted a su- study. I mean, Zipcar conducted a study. If you really look at what, especially in an urban environment where uh, you use your vehicle, like in, in a city like New York, you predominantly use mass transit for to go to and from work. Right, so the vehicles predominantly parking uh, in the parking garage, I would say 80% of the time. Mm. Right, then people would probably use the vehicle only in the weekends to get out of out of the city. So if you look at it, in reality, they probably use the vehicle 20% of the time, mm-hmm. and the balance, the vehicle's parked. So it's very underutilized. You're paying probably an average of 350 to 500 dollars a month for parking, plus your car payments, plus your insurance plus the maintenance, and now the gas. Just think about that for a minute, right? You have a vehicle that 80% of the time is sitting, underutilized, and you're paying all this money just to use it on the weekends. So, a, And eventually it's oversized. Right. Because when right. you want to use it, eventually you have your family, so you plan it bigger. Exactly. And you have no use of that type of car the rest of the year. Exactly. So, so you know, the Zipcar concept was really, you know, not only a vehicle when you need it, right? And you only pay for the time that you use the vehicle. But here's the catch, especially in a city like New York. You, you, you pay for the vehicle and the gas is included, the parking is included, right? And the miles are included. So in reality, all you're paying for is that hour, right, or two hours that you actually need the vehicle to go to point A and back to point B, right, and just pay for those hours that you need the vehicle for. If you need a vehicle for a doctor's appointment, let's say, for every Tuesday, you could reserve it in advance for every Tuesday for a certain specific time and only pay for those hours. Or... If you only need a vehicle just to go away for a holiday weekend, right, and never use a service again, you only pay for that weekend. But just imagine this. You have access to hundreds of vehicles anytime you, you want. But without the responsibility, the financial responsibility of car ownership. So it's a really an, an innovative idea at the time. And those cars were owned by Zipcar or was it owned by, uh, let's say, individuals that gave this to Zipcar to manage for them? So, that so Zipcar, when we launched Zipcar back in 2000, there was actually two car sharing companies uh, in, in the U.S. One was OutWest 
uh, and the other one was actually Zipcar out east. Uh, so the the concept that you I shouldn't say con the business model that you were referring to is a peer to peer type of car sharing, which didn't involve evolve until several years later, and that was a company called Relay Rides, which eventually became the company Turo. Oh. Yeah. So Relay Rise was the initial company that launched the peer-to-peer business uh, car share model in, in the U.S. Then when Relay Rise was acquired, right, they rebranded the company because they thought it, it, Relay Rise was really, uh, how could I say it? It's very uh, uh, organic type of company. Uh, it's not very corporate. If you look at Turo now, it's very it's a very corporate type of like an Uber type of, of uh, branding. Uh, and Relay Rides uh, again was they had a partnership with GM General Motors. Uh, the unique thing about Relay Rides at the time was you know one of the uniqueness about Zipcar. I'm sorry, I'm going back and forth, but one of the uniqueness about Zipcar was number one, they had a proprietary technology platform, both the software and the hardware. So they actually developed a hardware, a, tel- a telematic system for the hardware to install it on each and every vehicle, right? Now, the unique about, what's unique about uh, Relay Rides is, is that they knew they needed a telematic system for their process, right? So they had an idea that they would approach GM. And this is the advent of the OnStar system, which was a telematic system. So it eliminated the installation process, the, uh, the development or purchase of a black box or the telematic system. It's already installed on, on the vehicle. So what they did was they partnered up with GM and every OnStar customer had the ability to enroll their vehicle into the Relay, relay Ride system, right? Because they had the OnStar. Okay. And that's how they accessed the car. Ironically enough, you fast forward several years later when Turo was, when Relay Ride was rebranded as Turo, they eliminated that process of a telematics process, right? So it became a key exchange now. Right, so they went. They actually went backwards a little bit. The reason why they did that is they wanted to uh, enroll other ca- cars other than GM products. That's the reason why they did it. So they wanted. And they don't, didn't want to limit, limit to a specification or the make a model. Right, right, okay. right. So what they wanted to do is really open it up to the public, right? So whether it's a Toyota, whether it's a Ford, or whether it's a GM product, you're able to list your car. Uh, into Turo. That's the reason why they got rid of OnStar. Okay. So the, the the actual agreement between OnStar and Relay Rides was it's strictly with GM products that has the OnStar uh, telematic system. So in order to scale the pro- the model, you had to make it open to any makes and model, and that would give you a bigger audience. So it means that if we go back to early 2000 for Zipcar, you mm-hmm. had also a technical issue to make sure that the car can be accessible, open? How can yes, I, yes. Because uh, there was no ca- key sharing, key exchange at that time. No, no. Zipcar was the very, very first rent-a-car, I mean, 
car share company, right? Both in Europe and the US. It's the very first car share company that had or developed a telematic process. That so, can be installed in any car. In that case, it, it was bypassing the onboard system. Correct. From now, the, the car manufacturer. Yeah, I, I don't know if you how, how much detail you want to get into in terms of how Zipcar developed their 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 black box, but uh, just understand that effectively they didn't want to be limited like uh, uh, Riley, Riley, you said that? Relay Ride. Relay Ride. No, no, Relay with, with GM. They right. wanted to be able to have much more supplier, later yes. broader possibilities. But, but it's two different business model in that uh, Zipcar was their, their asset. They owned their assets. Relay Rise did not own I their reckon. assets. Mm-hmm. So this was, this was a car owner, just like yourself, enrolling their vehicle uh, into this platform, to the system really to mitigate their cost of ownership, right? That's that's the real, that's their concept. Zipcar's concept is we'll provide the vehicle. Get rid of your vehicle, right? We'll provide you a vehicle at any given time you need. And the beauty of it is you only pay for the time that you use the vehicle. Gas is included, parking is included, maintenance is included, right? So that you have the access to car ownership, right, or a vehicle without the responsibility of car ownership. That That's the beauty of that concept with Zipcar. That's the way they branded the whole entire company. And the cars were sitting in many places in the city or it was still located, located at a kind of station or a kind of a that, hub? That's a, great, that's a great question. So when we first launched Zipcar, the first market we launched was Boston. The second market we launched was New York, and the third market we launched was Washington, D.C. I can tell you each and every market was uh, different and it had its own uniqueness. Uh, As an example, uh, Boston, where we first launched Zipcar, they were thinking of partnering with anyone, whether it's a grocery store, whether it's a gas station, right? Whether it's an apartment building, right? or a parking garage, right? A parking operator. They took, or someone's garage, or someone's uh, driveway. They would do that. And they also partnered up, which they, they actually, a lot of other car share companies that followed after Zipcar mimicked this. They always partnered with local municipalities. And there's a reason for that, right? So one of the, cons- one, one of the research showed that for every car share vehicle that you put into the system, it takes away nine to 10 vehicles off the road. That, that's the study, right? It also allevi- alleviates the need for nine parking spaces. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the, re- the way they came up with that ratio is that for every one vehicle that you put into the system, one car share vehicle, it could handle anywhere between 35 to 45 drivers. So just imagine that for a minute, right? So if you if those individuals, 35 to 45 people, just got rid of their personal vehicle and just use a car share system, that's a lot of cars potentially coming off the road, especially in an urban environment like New York City, like Boston or DC. So, but as a revenue management expert, sure. I see a, a, a trick here, mm-hmm. meaning yes, they were right in general. However, the need for a car might be the same 
like end of the day or mostly weekends. So at a particular point in time, you may have you may reach a kind of uh, um, demand concentrated to a particular moment of the week or the weekend. And therefore, you need still to uh, supply to in order to face this You're, issue. You are 100% correct, Emmanuel, especially in the, like I'll give you an example. Perfect example is a city like New York, right? So drivers in New York behave differently from drivers in Boston, as, a, as an example. Uh, the car share or zip car members in Boston, uh, they use the vehicle exactly how the business model was, was designed, right? For short-term round-trip use, whether it's the middle of the week or weekend, that's what they use it. In New York, you're absolutely 100% correct in that nobody or very few people use the vehicle Monday to Friday or, or Monday to Thursday. Come Friday, right? Everybody wanted the vehicles. They want to get out of the city, right? So yes, there, there were some issues with that type because that's that's mostly rent a car. Mm -hmm, exactly. But there was a way that Zipcar combated that, and I'll, I'll tell you how what they did. So. All of the zip cars uh, that was was in the system in New York were priced significantly higher on a daily basis, right? Versus a rent a car, right? So let's say if you have a rent a car that was fifty dollars a day, Monday, Tuesday—I mean Monday, Saturday, Sunday for the weekend—fifty dollars a day. Zip car would purposely price that car on a daily basis one hundred dollars a day. The hourly rate will will stay the same, right? Because they want you, they want to promote people to use the vehicle on a short term round trip use. That's, so that's then really the to be shared with among exactly. the members. But here's the here's the deal with with, with with that whole entire concept. New Yorkers, if you've ever been in New York, there's a huge amount of disposable income. Huge amount. And what we found out in New York, our, our operations in New York, that people will pay a premium. Get this. People will actually pay a premium for convenience. So they would pay an extra $50 a day because the car is right downstairs from their building. <laughs> and the rent-a-car is five blocks away. We, we Twice as cheap, <laughs> but they prefer to have their car. Exactly. So we actually monitored this, and we looked at the data. So there was a, a, a distance ratio from them picking the cheaper car versus using Zipcar. So what we found out was if they had to walk more than five blocks from their building, they will automatically rent that car for a higher, higher rate, significantly higher rate, because they just didn't want to walk five blocks and go get a cheaper car from Budget or Avis. We found that out. And, and, and just to show you the different types of markets that, that Zipcar operates in, you will never see this in Boston or in D.C. This is specifically in New York. Okay. Just New York. So we had to adapt as a company. We had to adapt. When I was at Zipcar, we had to adapt. So we, we actually monitored our data very well. And that's how we came to the conclusion what the block radius is, right? And we monitor how many members and how many cars within that area. So our, our key was whenever we have more than 35 or 45 uh, users to a car, it's time for us to add another car. 
We, we know that. Okay. Right. So we, we monitor that religiously. I mean, we, we were meticulous about monitoring the ratio between members to car in a community, not as a company as a whole in New York City. We actually monitored by community. And we monitor all the time, where's the nearest rental car? Because that's how we're going to price it on, on the daily rate for the weekend. Mm-hmm. We, one thing that our customers love in Zipcar, and we, we, we touched on this about dynamic pricing in, earlier today, uh, yesterday in the session. One thing that the feedback that we receive from our users in the car share model is that our rates are consistent. It doesn't change, mm-hmm. right? So, and they love that. So they would make a reservation, let's say six months uh, in advance, and the date that they made the reservation happens to fall into a holiday or 4th of July. Most car rental comes to, oh my God, we're not gonna honor this reservation, we're gonna honor all these other ones that are, we, we actually increase the rates. No, Zipcar does not uh, do that. And as a matter of fact, it's a rule of thumb for us that if we do increase the rate, or adjust the rates, we are fully transparent and we tell our, our members, what we call members, uh, that we are in, increasing the rate and this is when it will take into effect. But we rarely, that, that's one thing they, they really loved about the pla- platform and the system is that they, they, there is no dynamic pricing. But they had the technology to do dynamic pricing, but there is no dynamic pricing. And again, it goes back to why the company was, the mission of the company, right? It was to get cars off the road, right? Okay. And to have uh, a vehicle, right, uh, for them to use. And and we're trying to encourage them to get rid of their personal cars. Mm-hmm. That, that was the mission intentionally by the company. It, the mission is totally different now. But when we founded the company with Robin, uh, and even after post-Robin, uh, before uh, Avis Budget Group, acquired Zipcar. The mission of the company was still the same. It, it, the mission was to get cars off the road, to help the community, right? To to make uh, uh, the community more accessible to walking space and, and make it more uh, uh, a better place to live, right? That, that was the mission of, of, of Zipcar. Well, just to go back a little bit, you said that you were um monitoring exactly the behavior, the type of customer, uh, the way they were they were renting, mm-hmm. booking. Just for the for the, for the audience, we are talking like 20 years back. Yes. Can you so imagine that? It seems to be like obvious for now to track everybody and every second what you do, where you are with your telephone. Now, 20 years from now, in terms of computer, in terms of uh, demand tracking, that was not the same story in terms of techno. So how did you do that? I mean, did you, was it mostly, I don't know, data collection with Excel spreadsheet and pivot table, these kind of things? Or it, 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 That's a great question, Manuel, because people ask me every time, because now how, how uh, robust was, was Zipcar's uh, technology platform at the time? So uh, just to give you a little background, so Robin Chase's husband, Roy Russell, was the father of our technology platform. He was the one and a team of two other individuals, uh, all MIT graduates. Mm -hmm. So MIT funded the development of Zipcar's technology platform. That's who who, uh, funded the whole entire project. So it was was really incubated through MIT. So the first thing they did was they built a, literally built a telematics system. 
then they develop the platform uh, to integrate to this telematic system. One of the things that Robin did was that was very, very smart, and, and this is where I come in. Everybody, all the eight individuals that, that founded or founding executive of Zipcar had no car rental experience, had no transportation experience, had no automotive experience. So they didn't know, they're not your typical car rental guy or car guy that knows fleet management, yield management, none of those things, right? But she was smart enough, Robin Chase was smart enough, said, I need that type of expertise. So he hired me, mm -hmm. former budget executive, hired a person that by the name of, of Mark, Mark Hemingway. He's an Hertz executive. So we bought, between the both of us, we brought Robin the, the expertise that she needed because at the end of the day, it really is car rental, right? You're renting vehicles on an hourly basis. The only difference is, is what the company's mission is, mm -hmm. right? It's all about what, what what you're trying to convey to your consumer, right? And, and that's when that's what separated Zipcar, and 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 let's say an Avis or a Budget or or Hertz. Uh, but yeah, it, that that platform was incubated there, and we as a team, uh, Mark and I, and the marketing department and Robin, had a lot of input in, into developing the software itself. Now this is where the functionalities come in, the user interface comes in, uh, the back end, right? What data we're trying to capture. So looking back, you know, Zipcar 1.0 is far, far different from Zipcar 2.0 and 3.0. Mm -hmm. So we added, we're constantly adding functionalities, processes that would help us actually manage and operate the business. I can tell you, uh, till today, I mean, it's one of the most robust platforms. And I'm a car rental guy, right? I've seen, you know, softwares like Bluebird, TSD. This is very robust. And no, and to answer your question, no, we did not have an Excel spreadsheet, okay, to get, enter these data okay. into a, in a computer. We actually, they were smart enough, Robin, Robin was smart enough, Roy Russell was smart enough to develop it and use technology at the time. And that's what's amazing about this, right? Because if you look at it, you're like, wow, they were way ahead, right? They were. Yeah. So they were using, let, let the machine capture all the data that we need. Some of them we may never need, but some we may. But they wanted to make sure they capture every data that, that we can possibly get from any transaction. And we did that. Hmm. Yeah, I remember I was at that time the VP of uh, revenue and, and pricing at Europe International. Mm -hmm. That was a challenge. We had also some data with Greenway, which is another operating mm -hmm. system. But uh, yes, that was a challenge to gather, to merge all these data together, try to, to find the maximum knowledge. Um, how that time, I don't know where we are, like 2005 or maybe the beginning of the mobile with 2007 and eight. How the, the competitors, like the regular car rentals, saw this? Were you treated like, okay, uh, that's, uh, let, let them play on their playground and uh, okay, they are nothing? Or where they say, oh, oh, there is a new business, they are growing, they are expanding in the US? In the beginning, they, they, they I, I think the car rental companies viewed us as not a threat, right? 
uh, especially the legacy car rental companies, they, they didn't view us as a threat uh, whatsoever. They're, we're very small uh, in terms of their size. We're relatively, even an in independent, we're very, very small. Uh, you know, Zipcar was, was, was launched with nothing but angel investors at the time. Uh, VC money didn't come in. And that's when really Zipcar took off when, when VC funding came in. Uh, and that didn't happen. And it was when? 2004. Okay. Right, is when VC money came in, and that's when really catapulted Zipcar, because I, I, I could tell I'm the one who launched the city of New York. Right? The city of New York is eight million people. I launched Zipcar there with five cars in the Upper East Side. Just so, just imagine this, right. right? Five cars, eight million people. Right. The good news, we had no problems getting people to use the cars. The bad news, we didn't have enough cars. <laughs> right. So. But as soon as the VC money came in, it gave us the buying power and the capital to purchase more cars, right? expand our core markets, and really, really prove out the business model. And that's when Zipcar took off. Between uh, 2006, I mean 2004 and 2007, it just grew. And people started noticing, obviously. Because in 2009, Avis Budget Group bought it for half a billion dollars. Oh man, half a billion. Half a billion. Time. And in 2007, we went public. So just imagine this, we went from 2000 to 2003, not knowing where our next funding is gonna be. I mean, it was a legitimate startup. This is, we're eight people doing everything. When I mean doing everything, I was answering the phone, washing the car having a meeting with the mayor and trying to get parking. So we're, we're doing everything, right. including Robin. Robin's doing that, everybody's doing everything. Startup, pure startup. A lot of times I ask myself, what am I doing? What, what am I getting myself into? But uh, yeah, for, from you know, three years not knowing whether we're gonna survive or not, right? To getting VC funding in, in 2004, five, to 2007 going IPO. Right, and 2009 being acquired by Avis Budget Group for half a billion dollars. So just imagine that growth. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's it's miraculous to to look at it, right? So yeah, I mean, that's when you know the car rental uh, industry started taking notice. I, I mean, my first uh, presentation about car sharing or mobility itself was back in 2009 at the Rio, at the International Car Rental Show. Oh yeah. Yeah, I presented Here there. in Vegas. <laughs> yes, in Vegas. And everybody was looking at me and said, what the heck is this? <laughs> He's an alien or what? He's yeah, coming because, from which planet? <laughs> what do you mean you don't have contracts? What do you mean you're renting cars by the hour? What do you mean you, your key is in the vehicle and you leave it there? Someone's gonna steal the car. All these questions, that's fine. But when you start explaining to them, right, what the, uh, how we make money, how we make revenue, how it, it's more efficient, right, then they start realizing, wait a minute, I mean, are you renting out, you know, New York City at the time had about 1,200 cars, and we were a staff of four people, how could you rent out 1,200 cars with four people? How are you doing this, right, and, and we... We're the one of the first company that relied on technology. We literally relied 
on technology to process the rental transaction, the reservation transaction. Everything was through technology, through the internet, through wireless, right? We, we just, we knew, Robin was smart to know that the advent of the internet is coming and the advent of wireless communication is coming, right? So if you look at it, when, when did smartphones come out? 2006? Yeah, I would say that, yes. Yeah. Development 2007 and eight, yeah. something yeah. like that. It's really like ramp yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the key card that you use to enter the hotel, is that that's the key card that we use, the RFID card, to enter and exit the vehicle. <laughs> and let's just, just to show you how primitive it was, we actually had a, a RFID reader. It was this thick. It was a thick, maybe about an inch to two inch. You know what I'm talking about. It's an, we had to, to do a double side tape, put it by the A pillar of the car, right? And we connected through wires to the, to the canvas and the black box. So when you go there with RFID card, right, it'll unlock the vehicle, then you can have access to the vehicle. Unlock, enable the vehicle, and go, right? But the car also knows who is authorized to go in that vehicle, mm. right? So the RFID card is with an account who made the reservation. The reservation goes from the computer to the server, wirelessly transferred to the vehicle's black box, and knows that customer is coming at a certain time, and you will have them access the vehicle during that time period of their reservation. That's how it worked. And so we are with the IPO late 2010, and 2007. No, what? IPO 2007. 2007. And then now we are still like 13, two, 13 two 14 years, years. Two years later, Avis Budget Group acquired it for half a billion. And they, did they interfere with the spirit or they left you, say, okay, guys, you are still working um, separately? No, no, I, I mean, uh, I, I left right after the IPO, mm-hmm. obviously. So the, most of the eight, uh, all of the eight, individuals left after ah. we went public all right yeah because what you 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 felt that the spirit was not there anymore or uh, or well, you achieve something a part of the story and say okay now it will be a new one and w- one is we are not a pioneer they will not be pioneer anymore well i could tell you this you know in a, today's session uh, i was doing about and i was talking about uh, retention hiring the hiring process during you know in this job market and, and retaining employees and one of the topics that came up was was the company's culture. I could tell you Zipcar has had a unique company culture. And I'm pretty sure you know, Emmanuel, when a big corporation, a Fortune 500 corporation, buys a company, right, usually that corporate culture disappears, Mm -hmm. right? And usually the core employees of that initial company will probably not fit in. Uh, within that corporate culture. And that's exactly what happened with Zipcar. Um, when I left, maybe there were other two other individuals in the company from my era, and they eventually left. So what today's Zipcar, today Avis Budget Group Zipcar, is far different from Robin Chase's Zipcar. Okay. Far, far, the brand is the same. The messaging is the same, which she developed, branded, but the the company culture, I'm sure it's not the same. And as you are 
maybe still following by essence mm -hmm. the development of deep car because you love the, the concept mm -hmm. we are in 23 now how I, it has been was the mission achieved or not maybe not achieved but does it still fit into the market um, almost 20 years afterwards um, is it expanding like crazy because it's totally in line with the, the, the current spirit, so, the t t current habit behavior of the customer? So it, th that's a great question. So uh, I recently had a conversation uh, with several technology providers, uh, car share technology providers, and they're asking me a question. How's, it, how's the car share market or even the mobility market in the U.S.? And I was quite honest with them. I said, I, I, I see it flatlining. It's just a flat line. So we had this momentum back in the early 2000s a spike, a considerable spike, and everybody was enthusiastic about it. Every, every municipality, every government uh, agency was really excited about this new innovative business model that takes cars off the road, right? And all of a sudden, uh, when these companies were acquired by rental companies, right? And I'm not trying to knock out the rental industry or anything, but when they were acquired by that, a, a piece of that mission, that, that messaging, or, or the, the, the reason why these businesses actually were developed and launched, that, that kind of went to the wayside and it became your traditional car rental type of, of uh, company, right? And uh, they most having it in their portfolio to see how green or how... Uh, yeah, but it, innovative it, uh, in their approach of the car rental. No, I mean, I mean, if you look at uh, which I I, I look at uh, every quarter. I, I mean, I look at Avis Budget Group's earnings. I look at Hertz earnings. You know, Enterprise, uh, whatever they information they provide. But when you look at Avis Budget Group's earnings, right? They don't they, all of a sudden they don't list Zipcar anymore. Oh. yeah. They list trucks. They don't do this Zipcar. Zipcar is part of the car rental revenue numbers or quarterly earnings. So you don't really know how Zipcar is doing. Okay. Right. So and you could you're free to, to look at look at that, but uh, and your audience free to look at that. It's, it's uh, publicly. It's publicly yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, and also I I also told them I I think compared to Europe and other emerging markets. Car share is on a rise. I mean, you would know. You're 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 in Paris. You're in mm -hmm. France, and there's a lot of car share operators in, in Europe. And I'm pretty sure in mm -hmm. France, right? So it's in a rise. It's probably a part of life, right? If you look at the United States, it, it's flatlined. It's there's no new entrepreneur starting up a car share because it's very difficult here, right? The asset asset is very expensive. Uh, you don't have your local support with local government. You have to compete head-to-head -head with the rent-a-car companies because they own, they have their own product. They, own, mm -hmm. they have their own car share uh, division, right? So these entrepreneurs, it's harder for them to actually infiltrate or get into this type of business model. Uh, when, when Robin launched Zipcar, there's no competition, mm -hmm. right? It's a disruptive business, right? And and yeah, and you you asked that question earlier that did the car rental company noticed it? They certainly did, and they purchased it. They purchased 
<laughs> they purchased the company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and what, but what you're seeing now, right, is is the emergence of other business model, models, mobility models. So I, I, I like to refer to them as mobility business model rather than car share. Uh, you, now you see the Turos, right? You see the Ubers, the Turos, the get around, Lyft, mm-hmm. right? These are the mobility platforms that are, that are going up. And a lot of people want to make, I mean, in today's, uh, this week's uh, International Car Rental Show, we had a lot of Turo operators here, a huge amount. Mm-hmm. So that's where the transition uh, went in, is it, instead of... Uh, the traditional car share now they're getting into the p2p right which is the Turo. and if you look at it again it's about mitigating the cost of owning a vehicle right that, that was the mission statement of, right, of right, Turo, right. but it evolved so now they're attracting entrepreneurs that doesn't know how to run a car rental business or doesn't know how to start a car rental business so they go to platforms like Turo, which is easy they provide everything, and all have to provide the cars. So, but I, I I have to give it with Turo. Turo for me, if I was contemplating in getting into the car rental build business, and I was an entrepreneur, I think that's a great pra- platform to test the waters, to dip your toes in the water, and say, is this for me? Mm-hmm. Right. So you could theoretically buy a handful of cars, five cars, put it into Turo. Really know how car rental works. Is this a business I really want to get into? And at that point, when you say yes, then they could evolve and get the expertise to help them start their own car rental uh, operation. Eventually, with an affiliation or developing yeah. your brand, as yes, we said yes, this, afternoon, yes, uh, yes. this morning during a, mm-hmm. a presentation. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, there is also because now we, we can also take your. Your hat of of your uh, your hat of a mobility expert as a consultant sure. at Abrams Mobility. Uh, there is also the development. At least I see it from from the U.S. Ten, the, the the European standpoint. The development, little by little, of the car rental from the car suppliers, the car manufacturers. Uh, we have some brand that we help, mm-hmm. uh, which has a huge uh, world brand, extremely famous. That they are started in many countries to rent their own cars, which is uh, also a kind of disruptive approach because they have no clue how to rent car. They have no uh, vision what is the type of service re- is required by a car renter. They know how to sell cars, how to uh, maintain the car, uh, eventually to sell the used car afterwards. But managing a car for two days, bring it back, clean it, and do it to another guy. Sure. Um, again, we go back to the techno part. They have access, they have their own device on board. They know all the data because mm-hmm. it's like built from the, 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 the manufacturer, uh, the factory. How do you see the development of this new business as a car rental provided by the car manufacturers against the regular, uh, the legacy brand? Well, six AB syrup car. Uh, so, if, if I understand your question correctly, you, you're t- speaking more of like a subscription type of. Not uh, necessary. They are on a really uh, like a regular uh, uh, car rental business. You don't need to subscribe. They put some fleet. Uh, we have a client. They have five thousand cars around the uh, UK. Okay. And uh, they rent their own cars, which is available on the on the car dealer parking. Okay. They have uh, each of them are a couple of. Uh, 
tens, twenties, fifty cars per and, location. And I assume are they using uh, some sort of a technology platform to facilitate that transaction? Or? No, they use it. They, they they rent it really like a typical car rental uh, legacy brand. You know, oh, wow. they have their own operating system. They have mm-hmm. their um, reservation system, and they do some contracts, etc. They have to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that exists yet in in US, right? You don't have this. No, uh, we we. we <laughs> That's why I'm a, I'm a little bit taken back. I said, uh, is this is this subscription no, or no. is this uh, is this a test drive type of scenario? Absolutely not. They have yeah. their cars. And we have Audi rent, there is a mm-hmm. Volkswagen rent a car, there is a Ford rent, a Mercedes rent, mm-hmm. and they rent short term car Directly rental. from the OEMs? Yes. Yeah. yeah. At the dealer location. Yeah. Well, they have a couple of cars and they rent it for. Again, this is the difference between the US market and the European market, right? So there's different approaches. Uh, the OEMs here, I'm talking about Ford's GM Chrysler, right? They don't have a per se, right, a, a car rental brand. There's no Ford Rent-A-Car, rent mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the dealerships, right? And I don't know how predominant dealerships are in Europe or... or They're going down more and more because the brand they want to take well, over the that's, control. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I don't know... They become more agent than dealers, right. you see? So I don't know if the OEMs in Europe are trying to maybe circumvent and have more of a Tesla type of buying and selling type of process, right? So Tesla has no dealerships, right? So you go to the app, you order your car in an app, right? And you if you want it that day, you yeah, pick that it day up. you pick it up and you do all the financing on the app, right? There's no human interaction whatsoever. There's no haggling, right? So the buying experience is very smooth to the point and you're done. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like it. I, I personally like it, right? But uh, you're, it makes me wonder, right? That uh, is, are the European OEMs going that direction? Certainly in the U.S., I haven't seen it. Okay. I, I haven't seen Ford do it. I haven't seen GM do it. I haven't seen Chrysler do it. Uh, those are the big three, right? Uh, but what I have seen are their dealerships. They do have rent-a-car facilities that they rent out. So they, they, they some of them rent out to the general public, some of them just rent out to their customer base. So you're getting a vehicle service, they need a loaner car, they rent them a car from their But floor. on their XYZ brand. Exactly. They don't right. use Chrysler, right, right, GM, right. or Ford. And if they have any overflow, they usually use Enterprise or any other legacy car rental company that they have a, a relationship with. Mm-hmm. But there are some dealerships that do uh, provide the assets, have a rental department, have a loaner system, and they do rent out these vehicles, sometimes in the public or sometimes just for their customers solely. Uh, that I've seen. What I haven't seen is, as you described, let's say Ford giving some, renting out 1,500 cars and and to the general public it just hasn't happened here okay. whatsoever. Yeah. so we will we'll monitor at least i have some clients that mm-hmm. are doing it mm-hmm. i know and for a long time that those brands they have their own site um, the only service might be a little bit tricky because they don't have the knowledge how to treat a client it's not then their spirit to manage a client sure, to their sure. rental and give it back but still it's progressing and the fact that as they have 
everything related to the data of the car. They know exactly when it's standing, where it's driving, for how long, etc. I was wondering, is it going to, in the next 10 years, um, I mean, taking the place of those big legacy brands, you know, Avis, Hertz, uh, Enterprise, because uh, if you look at enterprise, for example, I have I, I, I know that uh, their primary business was to extremely good, not being at the airport, but mostly in the neighborhood close to where the clients are. But if you look at the location of the dealers, they are also in the neighborhood. You know, it's, it's very funny. close to their customer. In fact, yes, uh, I mean it, it's funny. You know, we, we, you and I are here talking about technology and the role of technology and the advancements of technology, right? I mean, we've seen the evolution of vehicles now where it's accumulating so much data, right, that you could access, which the OEMs can access at any given time, right? You know, more than 23 years ago, we didn't have this technology. The cars itself didn't have, we, Zipcar had to develop that technology, yeah. right? Today, you buy a car, the technology, even more technology and what Zipcar, Zipcar created is in the vehicle itself. You could buy the car and it's in there. Managed by the car Managed manufacturer. The, yes. Now, you, we no, I've been going to these sessions. You've been going to these sessions. We've been talking about how technology has evolved, why rent-a-car companies and, and rent-a-car uh, franchises and independent uh, uh, car rental companies are resistant right, to these advances and or are not utilizing these advancements in technology. Mm -hmm. And I tend to agree with you. So Sooner or later, you're absolutely 100% correct. The OEMs have the data. Sooner or later, they're going to monetize this in some way, shape, or form. And as a seasoned car rental guy, I wouldn't want to see that for this industry whatsoever. But there has to be a, a change in behavior as an industry uh, and to embrace technology, mm -mm. not to fear it, not to run away from it, not to uh, put it down in any way, but to really we say, how can this advancement in technology really help me? Yeah. And that hasn't happened. And I, it surprises me because... The closest I've seen that happen is when when the car share industry, I'm talking about Zipcar, Get Around, all these car share industry, was noticed back in 2007, right? That's when actually, I, that's the first time I saw legacy car rental companies really took a step back. I said, whoa, th this could be this could be a disruptor for us. This something could go wrong. And their solution to that was just to purchase everything. Yeah. But I asked you this question. Since that purchase, what have they done? I mean, what, what have they done with that acquisition? Just imagine, Avis Budget Group bought Zipcar for half a billion, that's a huge amount of money, mm -hmm. a half a billion dollars. What was the revenue generated at that time? You $250 million company was. So they, they bought the company two times revenue, right? It can't be the, it can't be the, Customer base, because mm -hmm. Avis Budget Group outweighs Zipcar's customer base tenfold, right? Twentyfold. Uh, I would make an argument and say 
it had to be for the proprietary technology platform, right? Okay, that makes sense to me, right? What have they done with it? Did they implement it in their car rental process? Did they use it in certain ways to to facilitate their rental process? They have not. I mean, but meanwhile, the automotive industry is advancing. Absolutely. So something's going to happen. I know, unless we change our behavior. And, and, and that's super important what you just said. Look at the system used still by, by Evis. It's called Wizard. Wizard, yes. Developed in 90s. Look at Greenway from Europe car, developed in 93, 94. Um, Tasks from Earth. Those systems are prehistoric. When you took 30 years back in techno, it means prehistoric. It means dinosaur. Um, now I've, 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 I've heard that um, Six is launching his new system called Orange, and they dropped Cobra, which is the problem they had uh, uh, they had last year. Um, those guys, they still get all the constraint of the IT while a kind of like Zipcar use it to enhance, to really support their development. And for them, they are always constrained by their system. And it's like they are all afraid to open the trunk, you know, to see what how basic yes. is the tool. But you have to do it. But, but let me tell you, I mean, that, that's a great point because I I thought when, when Avis Budget Group bought Zipcar, this is my personal prediction at the time. I said, oh my God, Avis Budget Group is going to bring the car rental industry to the 21st century. That's exactly what I said. That's the first thing I said. I said, oh my God, they're going to use Zipcar's technology, not only implement it, but improve it, right? And use it within their rental com uh, company, right? And I thought they're probably going to get rid of Zipcar and make this the new way of renting cars. That, mm -hmm. That's exactly, or the new way of running a rental car business. It never happened. I was surprised. I was shocked. I was like, what happened? This is, this is 2009. Just yeah. imagine that, right? We're more than, what, 13 years and nothing has happened. Absolutely. And there's still, the wizard system, they were using that when I was working for them. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. That, that, that's, I, I just, uh, it, for me, it's hard for me to fathom and it's hard for me to understand why an industry like the rent-a-car industry, where you see, and we're part of the travel industry, where you see airlines adapting very, very quickly. Mm. You see hotels adapting very, very quickly. You see hotels here where you don't even have to see the people on the counter. You just go to a kiosk, do your thing, and go. Mm. I, I don't understand where everyone's adapting and changing with the market conditions and the conditions around you. And the rent-a-car industry refuses, refuses to do it. My personal vision is it's a question of fear. They are afraid mm -hmm. to like eventually drop everything and say, okay, we need to start from a blank page in order to rebuild it. And I totally agree with you. They had this opportunity with, uh, with a Zipcar when they bought it to say, okay, guys, let's study and let's try. If you look at the way um, the project one, I think it's a new system, the mm -hmm. system developed, they want uh, Earth is planning to develop. How long are we talking about? Four or five years now? Uh, let, let me let me give you some, some and mark. Still not. <laughs> yeah, but let me give you some background with Hertz and, and Enterprise. 
because they actually bought technology companies that was former clients of, of mine. Okay, I'll, I'll start off with Hertz. So when I left Zipcar uh, in 2009, two years after I left Zipcar, 2009, I developed a company called Mint. Right? Mint, like Mint. the, 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 the yes. Yeah. And we called it Mint, and the, and the tagline was Cars on Demand. We developed it to compete head-to-head -head with Zipcar in New York. At the time, there were very few technology providers that will facilitate a transaction like Zipcar. The only company that was, uh, was and I vetted a whole bunch of companies, and all of them were in Europe. So there was a company that I actually vetted called a French company called Elio. Elio, right. Right? They agree we were their first customer in the US, Mint. I brought Elio here, we did the deal, we launched Mint. A year later, Hertz saw Mint. Hertz says, what kind of platform are they using? Elio? Hertz purchases Elio. Right? So they have this platform now, this this mobility platform, which they acquired. Mm -hmm. From, from France. Now we go with Enterprise. Enterprise sees Mint. Enterprise purchases Mint. In the meantime, when, when, when Mint was, was acquired by, by uh, Enterprise, they had to have a different type of technology platform. So we, 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 I provided them with another client that was an, another technology company called Metavera. So Metavera is the Toronto-based mobility platform, right? Enterprise saw what the capabilities of Mint was. Enterprise acquires Metavera. Now all the legacy car rental companies now have the mobility platform. Fast forward, and that was 2007 and nine, right? Fast forward to 2023, what have they done the three legacy now. We're talking about three legacy mm -hmm. car rental. What have they done with those platforms that they purchased and acquired? Nothing. They're still using Wizard. Hertz is still using the same platform. Enterprise is still where they are. So uh, I said personally, it's a question mm -hmm. of fear. <laughs> what do you think for you? How do you explain? Are, are they like short-term manage because of the power of, their, of, the, of the stock exchange? or the, the investors that they just want to take their money back after four or five years of investment and then they don't care about investing too much because it's significant amount of money. They have to rethink about everything. But how, would, how do you explain that? I mean, it, it, I, and I'm sorry. And as you said, in a travel environment that is changing super fast, airline, they made their, their revolution. Hotel also, mm -hmm. they took the control back of their distribution. Mm -hmm. you, even though booking is super big, still they develop Hilton, Accor, all these guys try to really reconnect their customer well, directly. I, I can tell you this: the, the, one of the reasons why, and, and I, I, I thought this was this was a compelling reason. Those black boxes, uh, the telematic system, uh, they're not cheap. They range anywhere from depending on what type of device you want and the capabilities you want. They could range anywhere from as low as, let's say, $75 per box 
all the way up to $300, $350 per box. So if you have a large fleet, that's quite expensive, mm-hmm. right? The good thing about those boxes is you could reuse them. As you defleet, you could install it to another vehicle and refleet it, right? I would take that as an issue or a barrier for why you didn't transition to this type of technology platform. But if you go today, even three, four, five years ago, where the OEMs now install telematic systems in their car, there's no excuses anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, what I don't understand with, with the car rental industry is why aren't they using the technology that is in the vehicle, right? The vehicle tells you where, where it's parked. The vehicle will tell you where it's a service needed. The vehicle will tell you fuel levels. The vehicle will tell you everything. And you can lock and unlock a car. I have a friend who left who left his OD car for maintenance in the um, mm-hmm. body shop, and the, the 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 mechanics, the guy, left the car, left the key into the car, so it was locked. Right. And so he called the customer, say, sir, you, I'm sorry, I've locked the car. The car. You can unlock it. I say, man, I'm 50 kilometers away. Right. No, it doesn't matter. Just ring this number, enter in your profile, and you will be able to reopen the car. Exactly. I mean, this this technology, <laughs> this technology has been available for at least more than a decade. What I don't understand with the rental car industry is that why haven't they taken advantage of these types of capabilities? It, it's a very simple, easy way to do it. You're, all you're trying to do is integrate whatever system they have in the car wirelessly right because that's it's all wireless mm-hmm. right the oems whoever you're speaking with with customer service say can you unlock my car i left my keys in they're doing it wirelessly right it's a command mm-hmm. but it all comes out of the telematic system in the vehicle what i don't understand with the rental car industry why aren't they taking advantage of that not only to better their customer service experience but to better manage their fleet right <laughs> Absolutely. And to, to enter all the data, I mean, I, I still know rental companies that actually use Excel spreadsheets. I, I, I'm like, why are you doing this? I mean, it, it's it's just a waste of time. And a, actually, it's labor intensive. I mean, why are you doing these processes that are labor intensive? You could save a lot of money or dedicate staffings to some other mm-hmm. area that needs really, you know, that labor. But it, it, it baffles my mind uh, that, that the car rental industry is so resistant, right? And that's the, that's a great word. They're so resistant. They know it's there. They know the capabilities of these products, right? But they're not willing to, to change. It, it's almost like, uh, like an old lawyer, right, who's still using the, the dictaphone, right? Or, or having their, her, her secretary handwrite and dictate and, uh, and then type it right it, it, it's that and, and uh, believe me I, you know my wife is a lawyer and 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 she she tells you there there are attorneys in the office that are absolute that way they 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 still do the old-fashioned way even though there's iphones there's memo there's a computer there's much simpler way right but no and I see that as as the rental car industry, and and you know Chris Brown and I discuss this all the time. And for me, someone has to someone has to be the leader to really you know tell the industry, listen, it's time to change. 
you know so somebody has to be a catapult to this whether it's one of the legacy car rental companies I mean I met a guy from from enterprise in, in this year's show from the IT department and I, I told him what, what what why are you guys so resistant I go, oh it's not me I, I know what technology is available out there it, it's the decision makers that are not uh, willing to do this and I, I just don't understand why and maybe the owners are not giving their approval to the top management to I do can it. tell you this Emmanuel if I was an independent car rental company and I have several locations I would I would immediately uh, try to use whatever technology advancement technology that is out there to my benefit that's exactly what, what I would do take every, I mean we're talking about contactless and they're resistant of that not to be face to face and I know what they're saying oh we can't upsell we can't do the CDW we can't do this you know and and I, what I tell them is this generation the, the Millennials and the Gen Z's that are coming which is your customer me I, I'm a baby boomer so we're, we're retiring and we're going away from from the consumer market Right? So you have to address these two generations that are coming up, which, which is going to be your They don't want to stay in line. Absolutely. They don't even want any interaction with any human being. So my, 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 my uh, recommendation to them is, listen, before it's too late, you need to start, because it's going to take time to adapt and it's going to take time to evolve in this. You better start doing it now. Because these generations of customers are coming. Mm -hmm. And believe me, they are the type of customers. Someone in, within that group will, will do it. Someone will. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think there's a new wave of disruptors coming up for the, for the car the, rental industry. They are the YouTube generation. Yeah. They are the, the Netflix. They are the Amazon yeah. generation. They don't want to. They don't understand. Even don't go to the shop anymore. Yeah. <laughs> eventually. And they. They will not spend an hour or no. 30 minutes at the counter. Just they want instant here. gratification. Absolutely. I mean, th th that's how Uber was built, right? They don't want to, just imagine, they don't want to make, make minutes just to wave a taxi. They want to make sure if I did this, by the time I walk down, the car is waiting. Th that's how, it, it's almost entitlement, right? But that's what they're used to. Yep. They want instant gratification. And if you think these same consumers are going to wait in line, Right to get their car, it's never going to happen. When I took off from uh, from uh, uh, Santa Ana John Wayne Airport yes. uh, in Orange County to come here, I just opened the Uber mm -hmm. uh, application on my telephone, and then the, I did not book anything. And then a driver showed up and said, "Sir, you order a Uber or you will order a Uber." I said, "No, I just opened the app." Instantly, the guy came. Yeah, so yeah. he was standing, or maybe it was a coincidence. Right, right, but right. still, the guy said, "Hey, sir," I said. I didn't book anything. The guy got already the mm -hmm. signal that somebody has opened, just opened the app. And, and uh, you know, with this concept of the KYC, know your customer, we can digitalize so many things. Now, even uh, I, I was having a, a visa to go to Middle East a couple of months back. And the guy, they just asked, okay, scan your passport and do and take your own picture as a selfie mm -hmm. so then they will uh, make the the match 
of the picture to make sure that you right. are you are the owner of the passport and you are the the um, there is so many possibilities to buy to make sure that the the driver that will show up is the exact guy who did the the, the booking he will be the driver is the owner of the papers etc technology wise <laughs> there is no problem with this no and, but and still I and and ex excuse me if they they think that they will lose some opportunity to sell on series that could be so be smart and innovative and try to find something that you can pre-sell in advance by pushing some particular message to the customer in advance so then they can pre-book those ancillaries as well exactly exactly yes, you have to be innovative yes you're right i i mean if you, you know uh, i own uh, my I, my wife owns a tesla and i went through the buying process of purchasing that that vehicle and what i loved about that process on the app is that there's no haggling there's no hidden costs there's no uh someone telling me to buy additional coverage they but they do, but they sell the same exact thing products that you would be presented at a dealership but it's on an app so in a way i'm not intimidated in any way by some individual trying to force me to buy something it's clearly my decision right and i could make an argument that i'm more receptive and maybe purchasing that right than i would this person trying to pressure me in 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 purchasing that and i found myself on the app while i was on the app i i did i started purchasing things for the car i probably wouldn't have wouldn't have purchased because it was listed there i was like it was a you know comfort of my home i was like okay and i i thought the buying process of that vehicle was so nice anyway yeah, right it, it, like i i didn't feel like i had to go home and take a shower Right, because I felt so dirty by by the, the salesman trying to force me to do these things. I I I like I didn't feel like this person was cheating me or something. Mm. So it was just such a nice process, uh, from from actually purchasing and actually the car being delivered, not delivered to my home, but pick up the car. It was so seamless, and it's with an app. And if you look at the generation that are coming up again, this generation. That's what they're used to. Mm -hmm. Everything's with a device, right? And if you, you're telling them, no, you have to go here, even though you have a nice little keypad or, or iPad in your counter, but you still have to go here, you still have to see me, right? It, it's just not, uh, for me, it, it's not a scalable type of, of uh, business process, uh, especially not for the future. Uh, I mean, I don't know what they do in Europe, or they're more advanced in Europe, but. No, honestly not. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but I, I think we're the only industry it, that seems, you know, year after year after year. I don't see any movement in terms of uh, uh, advancement in technology other than the counter, uh, I mean, the kiosk. That That's the only thing I've ever seen for the and, past decade. And we're not kiosk. talking a revolution, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, I mean... Uh... I mean, everybody has a kiosk. Yeah. You know? Uh, but uh, no, I haven't seen any kind of advancement. And, and but the car, the automotive industry is advancing. And make no mistake, you know they're building more EVs. Uh, I could tell you, electric a, vehicles. Yeah, yeah I, I could tell you as an electric vehicle owner, it, I'm amazed at how much data this this car is accumulating on mm -hmm. me as a driver. Mm -hmm. My habits, right? How I drive. 
the driving position of the seat when I enter. So they know, know when your wife is driving compared yes. to you. So they know yes. that, the difference, yes. just, in, just imagine that, right? The car knows who's entering the car. Just imagine that, right? The car knows whether it's me or my wife or my child entering the car through an app. Just imagine that. So the car, the seat will, will adjust itself based on my settings. Without touching anything. Without, without touching anything. The mirrors, everything adjusts because it knows it's me. It's not unique to Tesla. Mm -hmm. Other brands have this. So what I just don't understand. Just imagine that you're a customer. You're a repeat customer. You're a business, corporate customer. Oh, yeah. You have a profile, right? And the last time you rented a car, this was the settings you have. Just imagine that the cars can talk. Oh, this Mr. So-and-so is coming, one of our corporate customers. And by the time he goes to the car without seeing anyone, through a nap, enters the car, the seat is exactly where it is, the temperature is exactly where it is. What kind the of radio it? station or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just imagine, Emmanuel. I mean, why wouldn't the car rental industry use that? It's mm. there. That's, that's, that's the kind of stuff that... It, it, it just annoys me what, where you're not taking advantage. You don't, have to, you don't have to develop. They don't have to develop it. Yeah. It's already developed. And in your um, um, activity of consultant at Abrams Mobility, are you solicited by this? Do you have some requests? Or eventually, no, you have to be the, the, the you have to propose, you have to, to, to shake ideas, you have to, you know, the, we, make sure we, that people are still... That's a great question. I mean, we, we have some, some clients that are more forward-thinking, right? Uh, I, I can tell you the, the car rental clients that we have, when we talk about these types of processes, uh, they're very skeptical of everything. And I think that's where it starts, right? The fear of this not working. The fear of... I mean, the number one fear is my car or my asset is going to be abused in some way or f shape or form. There's going to be fraud, another one. There's going to be theft, another one, right? And I always tell these individuals, listen, I, you know, I launched Zipcar more than 23 years ago, right? We had one vehicle stolen throughout my whole entire year at Zipcar, one. And it wasn't even stolen, because you know why? We knew exactly where the car was, and we shut it down. So it's not really stolen. We knew exactly where it was parked. We pressed a button. It enabled or disabled the vehicle. It locked all the vehicle. And all it had to do is wait for us to go and retrieve it. So it really wasn't stolen. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand. And it wasn't a person who was an unauthorized driver. It was a person that legally rented the vehicle from Zipcar, dropped it off at a train station, and just left it there, right? So the license was verified, because we do. We, we verify the license. We had a DMV process where it actually checks the uh, abstract of the motor vehicle records. Mm -hmm. That's one of Zipcar's processes. They would actually check the driving record of each and every user. To see if, if the license is active or has been... Same thing with the credit card. The, the credit card's processed automatically through the system, mm -hmm. right? It's a credit card on fi file. The 
the, the platform is PCI compliant and it'll do all of that fully automated, right? It had a check-in and check-out process, right? And even now, uh, today's Zipcar has even cameras sometimes or use their phone to actually do the vehicle inspection and submit it. But the point I'm trying to get is the technology is there to facilitate every single process of renting a vehicle from the rental process, the check-in process, and check-out process. It's all there. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, ironically enough, they're just resistant. And it's always the excuse. So I, I think you're right. It's the lack of control. Like they, they want to have control. So it's a problem of mindset. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Eventually, with the, the new generation of owners, the new generation of managers, as you say, the millennials, the generation yeah, yes. Z, etc. Maybe it will change, but for the time being, you don't see it. But yeah, that's a great question because we, we, we did a session on, on recruitment and retention of employees and the caliber of employees, right? And a lot of people in the room were saying, you know, the, the caliber of employees that we're hiring are not really... Uh, uh, the type of individuals or candidates that we want to working for our company, uh, they they feel entitled, right? So it, again, it's the generations that are coming up. Mm -hmm. So just imagine if you're a generation that's coming up, they're, they're probably thinking, "This is why why are we doing this?" <laughs> that's right, yeah. Because right? they're they're technologically savvy, even though they ha don't even have a higher education, they know how oh, to yeah. work a device very very quickly. At, our, at the presentation I've attended this today, there was the, the CEO of TSD, and they say, he said, we still have customers that require to print on the paper the contract, the rental agreement. You know? And he said, what the hell? I mean, it's not... Just imagine that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of industry that we're in. It, 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 there has to be someone or something has to make a huge giant step in saying listen we need to and i think it's going to be one of the legacy car rental companies i don't know who's going to be first in doing this and whoever that first company who does take that leap of faith uh will have a significant advantage i feel it will have a huge significant advantage a competitive advantage versus all the other car rental companies i have a guess Mm -hmm. We can bet today. We are in Las Vegas, so sure, we can put sure. one dollar each and bet. Absolutely. I think it will be sixth. Why? Because it's the only legacy business that is still owned by a family. You Therefore, don't think it's Europe car? No. Really? No, it will not be Europe car. No, the, the, yeah, Europe car is the same as, as, as Avis with the system that is 30 years old. The same, they have lost all the, 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 the spirit and the knowledge of the system. But they're owned by VW. That's yes, the reason why I was but the, like... VW is not a car rental. Um, I mean, for me, like Avis has bought Zipcar, it's also to put a toe into the swimming pool to see how good mm -hmm. is it. Let's see now. We, they go back, in fact, to Europe. Can you remember? Mm -hmm. uh, Ten years ago, they were the yes, owner. Yes, Again, yes. They, they sold it. At, uh, they made a, 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 a great deal. But for me, the difference is that Sixth is still owned by Mr. and Mrs. Sixth, and the, the sons are also now the, 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 the top executive of Sixth. So they have the time, you know? They, they are not driven by the stock exchange. They are investors that are always mm -hmm. trying to get for five years the money back, blah, blah. 
all the others, oh no, I think maybe enterprise are still owned enterprise. by a family, no? Still oh, yes. A, okay, so it could it's be. Yeah. Yes, could be. Could be also but enterprise. But for the others, I don't believe. Well, my prediction is this, right? I think, I, I agree with you. And I also, I'm also going to add, I think it's going to come from Europe. It's not going to be the legacy car rental companies in the United States, even though they have all the tools and the assets to do it. Literally, they have they have the technology, they have the assets to do it. They don't have the will to do it, but I think it's going to come out of Europe, and that will change the whole entire environment of the car rental industry. Whoever does this first. It was a European company. But they're all going to play catch-up, right? And I think, given what's going on in Europe, how forward-thinking Europe is, uh, how they embrace mobility, right? Not just car sharing, but every mobility type of business model. I think the, the car rental company that's going to revolutionize the industry is going to come from Europe. I'm, I'm 100% agree with you with that whether it's going to be six or your car or someone else i don't know but it's definitely going to come from it's not going to be uh the three here okay interesting yeah so it's a bet <laughs> yeah i said six you I'm said not, eventually europe car because i say of europe car, so okay we'll that's see. good okay. and the real only reason why i say europe car because they're owned by bw and bw i know is very forward thinking uh in terms of not only technology uh, but uh, advances in, in, in the way, you know, even purchasing and buying a vehicle. They're, they're making a trend. Well, all these OEMs are making transitions, as mm -hmm. you can see, right? Oh, did you watch the Super Bowl, the football, American football Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. Did you notice? What, what did you notice about the commercials in the, in the, in the commercials in the... Honestly, I don't remember. So, the, the you know, Super Bowl here is very big. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So and the, the, the commercial part is the commercial. extremely important. Uh, that's the, the time of the year. Right. So did you notice anything in those commercials? Not really. I'm not American. Uh, I focus enough. Maybe. Every single OEM, right, car manufacturer, had not one single gas vehicle in their commercial. Not one. Everything was about technology and EVs. Every single commercial from every OEM. That is compelling because they weren't selling combustion vehicles, gas-driven vehicles. And that, I immediately noticed that. I said, oh, my God, they're all EVs. So the OEMs are making a change. Whether you like it or not, whether you like EVs or not, it's coming. And, and, and actually, that's one of the reasons why I... I personally purchase an electric vehicle. I told my wife, you know, we usually keep our cars until it, it dies, right? So I said, we're, we're not buying another gas vehicle. We're, we're gonna go EV. After owning a gas vehicle for decades, we said, no, we're, we're gonna go EV this time. And I, I was fully committed. I, I installed a charger in my house. I'm fully committed now, right? But as soon as I did that, and I asked, I, ironically, I bought my vehicle before the Super Bowl. I'm sitting there on my couch, and every GM, Ford, Chrysler, EV, even the you know how Americans love these big pickup trucks. And yeah, SUVs. yeah, the Ford F, Ram, yes. or whatever. F one fifty, the Ram. 
all EV vehicles, pickup truck, EV vehicle, all the luxury brand, EV vehicle. I'm like, I guess we made the right decision. So, yeah, right in Europe, I mean, at least in France, that's the same. All the commercial we see for the OEM are EV, EV vehicle. Mm-hmm. I am still a bit skeptical. This transition has been so quick, so 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 strong. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the model behind, which is to produce electricity and to manage the end of the batteries, will be sustainable. Is prepared? Can we handle all all these electric vehicles? That's for me still some questions that needs mm-hmm. to be answered. Um, in France, we are still battling with some uh, nuclear plants that yes. cannot be all um, active at the same time. There is a lot of uh, renovation, and uh, so it means that I think we have two thirds of the of the of the of the um, of the stock which is active. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, renovating a nuclear plant is not like renovating your house. <laughs> it's right. a little bit more true, complex. True, true. Okay, yes. so it takes time. You need some resource. You need some expertise. So. In Germany, uh, they do it with uh, cork. You said right? that coal. Uh, that uh, them they, they stop the nuclear plant and it's they are back to coal. The yes, co- yes, coal. Yes, yeah? yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, Very pollutant. Uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, I don't know. I, right. I still doubt that this transition have been so fast, so uh, pushed by governments. I don't know if everything has been prepared. You know, and mm-hmm. maybe we'll have some five, ten years from now some difficulties. I well, don't know. Uh, lithium, which is mostly managed by China, produced, yes. you know. <laughs> well, I, 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 in that respect, I, I totally 100% agree with you. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of uh, infrastructure that needs to be built around EVs. Uh, one is disposing of these EV battery after its life, right? right? Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we, they have to have a solution or at least a, a plan and how, how to do to uh, get rid of these batteries that are highly pollutant, right, or combustion. Uh, the infrastructure of charging, right, is, is an issue, right? I mean, uh, one of the speakers today said he has an EV and every time he goes into the vehicle, he has this, this charging issue that he thinks he's going to run out of power, right? Uh, I, 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 I could relate. Uh, the first month I had that, uh, I forgot the terminology. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, the issue of running out of power, but now you manage. Uh, not only that, I, I, this is what I'm saying. I, I, I think the vehicles today, today's vehicle, whether it's combustion or or EVs, it is so Emmanuel is so smart. The vehicle is thinking for you. Mm-mm. I'll give you an example. I, I told my wife, listen, trust the car, but but he has thirty percent charge. Yeah, I'm not gonna make it home. Trust the car. Sure enough, when she was driving down the highway and she was about five miles away from home, the car goes, there's a charging station at the next light. You could charge now or go home and charge at your convenience. It's telling you you have enough power to go home. Or if it's convenient, you want to stop and you could charge now. What did she Hmm? she She charge? She charged. Yeah. <laughs> but she wanted to charge in the beginning of her trip because she was such anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Trust the car. Now, that's all gone. Her anxiety is all goes, I can't believe this car told me. One, I had enough power to go home. And two, 
if I wanted to, there's a charging station right around the corner. I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Um, the, the, the podcast is, is moving. So I have a couple of questions now sure. uh, to, to ask you, which are maybe more a little bit more personal. Um, what was either your best success or your worst failure? Usually the failure is the more interesting because you have learned so much. Um, do you remember or is it something that is in your mind say oh yes if I that was a very big one and uh, it will never happen again I've learned so much I, I can tell you this the, the biggest uh, for me personally per, uh, in terms of professionally right the, the biggest success I've ever had bar none was definitely Zipcar I, I took a leap of faith leaving a comfortable executive position with budget rent a car and join a startup company with seven individuals not knowing whether it's going to survive a year, let alone the next day, right? So, and, and a total fleet of, I think, 50 cars at the time. So I'm going with tens of thousands of vehicles to a company that, a startup. So I took that leap of faith uh, and, and see it grow from a startup company to a public company then eventually being acquired for half a billion dollars. Bar none, that, that's the most successful experience and being part of that growth from the beginning. And we had to make, me personally, I had to make huge sacrifices, not only personally, but professionally. And to see it grow like that and, and to get the dividends of, of that success. That, that, that's one, one of the proudest moments of, of my life. So absolutely. If we go backwards and back to uh, Julian at 18 or a teenage, mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you would you give the, this guy at that time? Uh, I would tell them, I would tell him, yeah, uh, take a chance. So b before that, I, I mean, that, that's one of the things I've learned from that experience, right? And what I didn't add to that was... When I took that leap of faith in doing that in, in 2000, I just bought my first house. I had my firstborn child, right? And it, it's somewhat scary, not only professionally, but personally. I'm like, I have a lot of responsibilities. I'm doing this, right? But I, I could tell you what I've learned. If I was 18, I was telling somebody now, take a chance. You know, I mean, it, it, let, listen to your gut. And I'm telling you, your gut is always right. If your gut tells you, nah, you shouldn't take that risk, don't take the risk. But if your gut tells you, I think this is it. I think this is I don't really, exactly know why. but I don't exactly know yeah. why, but yet. Because you know what? If you don't take a chance, you don't take that leap, you'll never know whether it's going to be successful or not. And even though if it's not successful, right, you learn from that mistake Absolutely. and you don't do it again. Uh, yeah. So you never grow unless you make mistakes, right? It can't always be successful. So me, take a chance, fall down a couple of times, right? stumble a couple of times, learn from those, those experiences and, and move on and grow. Absolutely, 100%. And how do you learn now? How do you still keep yourself? Oh, I, le I learn every single day. I try to learn new things every single day from, from people. I mean, I'm in a business to learn, right? Uh, not only from clients, right? From colleagues, 
competitors, right? I, I just love to listen. And, and I love to, even these shows, the show that we're in now, uh, there's always individuals that will tell me things that I never even thought of. I, I see it, right? I've experienced it. But they, they see it in another view, in another aspect that I never even thought about. For me, that's growing, right? Mm-hmm. You, that, that's the way you grow. Uh, because if you only force your way of thinking, your way is always the right way, then you'll never grow. You, you'll stay stagnant. I think it's one of the reasons the rent-a-car companies, the way it is right now, is they don't want to grow. They don't want to listen. They don't want to see. Like you said, open the trunk and see what's in that trunk. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They're scared, right? Sometimes you don't... You, you, just don't be scared. Just you know, just do it. Take a chance, Wait. right? Everybody That's... has to. Everybody has to take a chance. Um, where do we follow you? Have you uh, another an Instagram or LinkedIn uh, profile? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Yes, yes. So yes. Forever, everybody wants to I, know I more a, about you. I have a Facebook and Instagram. But that's personal, uh, my personal. <laughs> so mostly we follow you. On, I, I don't on think anybody wants to see me in my bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you know a little bit more, the, the concept of the revenue machine dedicated to car rental, would you have any person in mind that you say, oh, that could be interesting for the community also to have the, 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 the testimonial, the, the, the discussion with this guy? With you? Could, yes. For the, with the community, the review machine uh, car rental community, if you think about somebody that say, oh, that guy could be so... Uh, um, For this talk, yeah. th- this kind of talk, uh, there's several, uh, actually, that, that you should speak with in terms of uh, your agenda for, for this type of, of, uh, of session, uh, if, you could, if you could find a way to do it. I mean, there's, there's this one colleague of mine, uh, ironically enough, his name is Gabe Klein, right? And I'll tell you why he, he could be an interesting podcast. Uh, and he's on my LinkedIn, so you could you could, you know, invite him to be part of your network, and he uh, knows me. Okay. Uh, he ran the Washington D.C. zip car uh, in the beginning stages. So that he was also. Uh, 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 the Department of Transportation's commissioner for the city of uh, D.C., Washington, D.C., for Mayor Fenty. That's how he started his, his he actually transitioned from, from Zipcar, an entrepreneur, then he went to public service, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after his, his tenure as the Department of Transportation commissioner in, in Washington, D.C., he became the Department of Transportation Commissioner for Rahm Emanuel. I don't know if you know Rahm Emanuel. Uh, he was uh, President Obama's chief of staff, who became the mayor of Chicago. So he became Department of Transportation Commissioner for his administration. Uh, after uh, Rahm Emanuel's term in office, uh, he went back to private, the private sector. Actually, he went to a consultant just like me. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, after that. Currently, right now, he's in charge of transportation and energy for the Biden administration. Currently, right now. And you love his agenda. So his agenda is to, he has, I don't know how much billions of dollars in his dispose to, to allocate 
to certain types of infrastructure project, EV projects, uh, mobility projects, right? He'll be an interesting conversation that you could have, right? He's certainly has the same uh, thoughts and values I do in terms of not only mobility, uh, transportation, right? Uh, he's he's the one who actually promoted in both cities, Chicago and D.C., diverse uh, bike share program in both cities. Mm -hmm. He's all about a clean city. He's all about uh, uh, having less vehicles on the road, less congestion on the road. He's, he's all about that. So he, he'll, he would be a great podcast uh, interview for you because he, he could bring he could talk about it both on a administrative a government administrative type of view and he could talk about it on a transportation or car share or car rental point of view so it, it's I think that's a great conversation that you could have because regulatory government right versus the private sector okay right? yeah thanks for the lead yeah, yeah <laughs> I yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. I would like to uh, to thank you a lot for having dedicated this oh. time together you know we, we we have been talking for the last an hour and 40 minutes really now. yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it it flew by Emmanuel <laughs> I enjoyed it I enjoyed this session so thank you very much oh, for, thank you thank you <laughs> have was, a good end of the ICRS show yes yes and it was a pleasure meeting you by the way thanks a lot thank you you reached the end of the revenue machine podcast I hope you enjoyed this moment of sharing ideas and tips. Give us a five-star if you liked it. That's the only way to be seen in the Magmouth podcast. You can also forward this podcast to two other people you love. Wheel Team is available to help car rental operators who are frustrated by the data they have and the data they would like to have. But also the one who wants to be guided along their revenue transformation process. Contact us. Bye-bye.